Welcome to Mucky Landon, population 542 and a half. It's an odd little backwater in the lower, slower corner of the tiny state of Delaware, mostly known for being not too far from someplace you'd rather be. I'm Virgil Slatter. Me and my partner, Harmon Truesdale, own the Mucky Landon Market, Diner, and Hardware Emporium at the corner of St. John's and Broad. If you were looking to rent that flying saucer house down at the aerodrome near Milton, but you took the scenic route and ended up here by mistake, uh, that's how most folks find Mucky Landon, unless they were born here, you'd be sure to stop by and say hi. If it's Tuesday, be sure to stop by and check out Harmon Santa's workshop window display made entirely out of sliced bologna. Mucky Landon, sort of a podcast. Season 2, Episode 1, Vinnie Jean is Not My Lover. Sorry I'm late. I couldn't find my lucky socks. They weren't in my toolbox or the sofa cushions or the oven or any of the other places they're supposed to be. Is she here yet? Harmon, why do you even bother to apologize for being late? I don't know what pisses me off more. You being late every morning or you apologizing for being late every morning? Well, yeah, I know, but let me put this box on the counter. It's kind of heavy. You know, it's usually a toss-up as to what comes through that door first every day. Our first customer of the day or your ass. Oh, I know. That's usually You know what, what would make me really happy? No. What, Verge? You showing up on time for once. Virgil, if you would just you look know what? at the... Maybe for my birthday, you could show up early. That would be the most incredible present ever. Virgil! Would you look at the fucking clock? Why? So I can play exactly how late is Harmon today. All right, Harmon, you got it. Today, Harmon is... Go on, Verge. Say it. That isn't right. I, I don't understand. I want to hear you say it, Verge. Today, Harmon is... Early. You're early. Why That's are you... That's right. I'm early. It's only a little after 7. I'm not even supposed to be here till 7.15. Which you never are. Beside the point, not only am I here on time today, I am here before time. I'm having a tough enough time with the concept of you being on time without throwing in time travel, Harmon. So happy birthday. Don't expect another gift from me when your real birthday rolls around, because I'm planning to be broke. I, I don't know what to say. A simple thank you will do. But you said sorry I'm late when you came in. Why'd you say that when you were actually early? Force a habit, and I didn't want to upset the karmic balance of the universe by deviating from our I'm late, you yell at me routine. That one time when you decided to be nice to me after I came in late, it set off some really bad hoodoo that ended with me accidentally setting fire to the front half of the store, remember? Oh, right. Yeah, good call. So, you gonna answer my question? What question? The one I asked when I first came in. It shot by me too fast. I have no idea what you said. I said, hey, Vert, sorry I'm late. I couldn't find my lucky socks. They weren't in my toolbox or the sofa cushions or the oven or any of the other places they're supposed to be. But is she here yet? You know, Harmon, I shouldn't have to take a course in speed listening just to hear why you're late or early or, or whenever. Oh, I agree. And I doubt that Berlitz guy would be willing to come all the way to Mucky Landon to teach you how to do it anyway. Do tell. Harmon... I know that at least a dozen times a day you get enlightened about something that everybody else already knows, so I'm reasonably certain that you'll be gobsmacked to learn that when you sign up for a Berlitz course, Charles Berlitz does not come to your house personally to teach you Italian or, or whatever. He doesn't? Why not? Well, for starters, he's dead. 
which kind of puts a kibosh on his ability to offer private lessons. Oh, I didn't know he was dead. Well, anyway, I don't need him to teach me Italian. I already learned all the Italian I need to know from my grandma Valenziano. I'm pretty sure knowing how to cuss out the guy at the corner grocery won't get you too far at the Vatican. Maybe not, but it's all I ever needed on Monument Street in Baltimore. And, little known fact here that I also owe to grandma, I can recite the name of every pasta shape ever invented in alphabetical order. Will wonders never cease? I don't really like doing it, though. You're too modest. No, it's because when Grandma Valenziana used to drill me on them, she'd smack me on the back of the head with this big old wooden spatula every time I messed up. Explains why your ball cap fits funny. I can't even think about a bowl of Bucatini without getting a headache. Hey, that Berlitz guy who died, he he got sucked into the pointy end of that Bermuda Shorts triangle, didn't he? No, I think he stuck the pointy end of it in his eye after a conversation with you. But now that I think about it, I guess you could learn how to do it from that one with the weird name you do on the phone, right? Harmon, I already told you, I don't speak idiot. What? I'm going to bring you to a pointy end if you don't stop tossing word salads at me, Harmon. Today's special's reindeer bologna balls, not toss salad, Burge. You know the one I'm talking about. It's the one on the radio and the TV with a weird name that teaches you how to talk like a foreigner. Roseanne ate a rock or something. Jesus, this conversation's got more twists and turns than a lovesick snake at a silly string factory. Roseanne ate a... Rock. No, that's not it. Roseanne ate a pebble? Harmon, you're stoned. That was it. Roseanne ate a stone. Roseanne ate a... Now you lost me. Let's go back to the Bermuda Shorts Triangle. I think you make more sense in there. Oh, come on, Verge. Stop pretending you don't know what I'm talking about. There's a bunch of ads about this thing on your phone that teaches you how to talk with people from other countries and shit. Or maybe it's on the computer. Roseanne ate... Oh, you mean Rosetta Stone. Right, Rosetta Stone. Now, isn't that the dumbest name you ever heard? I mean, who's Rose, and why'd she eat a stone? Did it make her smarter? Well, how'd she know what kind of stone to eat? Did she actually eat a stone, or did she just put stones in her mouth like Joe Biden trying to stop stuttering? Man, foreign food weird, huh? Harmon, there are times when I really wish you came with subtitles. Let me fill you in on a little ancient history that, once again, everybody but you knows. The Rosetta Stone was a big old rock out in the desert that let all the wandering Bible tribes talk to each other. You know, the Israelites and the Hittites and the Semites and all those other ites. Seriously? That doesn't really sound like it would work, Verge. They didn't even have electricity back then, did they? Oh, there was probably some miracle involved there somewhere. Miracles were a dime a dozen back in Bible days. So... Everybody was having a good old time beating their swords into plowshares because they didn't need them anymore because they were communicating so good. But then a bunch of kick-ass Babylonians came along and built a big old tower right on top of the Rosetta Stone. Bet that didn't go over too good, huh? Sure didn't. Since the stone was now buried under this big old tower, all the people could do was talk to the folks standing right next to them, instead of talking to the other tribes, which created a lot of misunderstandings. After a while, nobody could understand anybody else, and everything went to hell in a handbasket, with lots of gnashing of teeth and rending of garments and shit. Then people started smiting each other, and that was naturally followed by war, famine, and pestilence. People took to calling the tower that started at all the Tower of Babel, because anybody who wasn't from your own tribe just sounded like they were babbling when they talked, especially if they were French. Ooh, now that makes sense. And it stayed that way right on up through modern times until old Charlie Berlitz came along and taught people how to talk to foreigners again.
I'm surprised you don't know all this, Harmon. Didn't they teach you anything about the Bible when you were little? Nah, I went to Catholic school. We just learned about sin and guilt and why you can't ever touch your dick or a girl. Gotcha. Well, thanks for telling me all that Bible stuff, Burge, even though I wasn't really interested in it. Anytime, Harmon. But you still haven't answered my question. What question was that, Harmon? Is she here yet? Who? What do you mean, who? Vinnie Jean. Is Vinnie Jean here yet? No, she's late, too. I, I mean, she's not early. She was supposed to be, but she's not on time, so I guess she's late. Now, I'm confused. There's no cure for that, Harmon. You know that's a permanent condition. Look, I'm going to call Mama and ask what's going on with Vinnie Jean. She's going to be in a heap of trouble if she don't show up here today. Thank you for calling Flatter Salvage and Stuff. You got the cash, we got the trash. What do you want? Oh, hey there. Uh, sorry, I was expecting to hear somebody else. You must be new. Oh, yeah? New at what? Well, new at answering the phone there at the salvage yard, I guess. Oh, have you know that I have spent years answering the phone, talking on the phone, calling people on the phone, and especially hanging up the phone on people I don't like. Okay, um, listen, can I just Not talk so fast to... there, Zippy. Before we get started here, you should know I'm having a bad hair day, so it's not going to take much to piss me off. Fair warning. Now wait just a damn minute. No, you wait. Jesus, what the hell? What is going on there, Verge? Dunno. Sounds like Mama's got herself a new office manager down at Salvage Yard. Oh, yeah, the guy she had before said he was thinking of leaving. He was making more money stripping at the bachelorette parties than he was answering the phone at the Salvage Yard. Can't remember his name. Oh, I call all Mama's office guys Beefcake Boy. You can't say Mama doesn't have a type. Young, sweaty, and lots of muscles, especially between the ears. That last fella never wore a shirt, even in the winter. I mean, talk about the dimmest bulb in the drawer. Hang on. Hello? Huh. I got taken off hold, but nobody's answering. Looks like Mama's hired another moron, only this time it's female. Probably ugly, too. You know Mama doesn't like the competition. I heard that, Vergie. Vergie? What the? Oh, my God, that's... Oh, holy shit. Mama's hired Doral. What? No, it can't be. How do you know it's her? She called me Vergie. Oh, shit. It's got to be her. Why'd she hire Doral? Doral hates me. Shut up, Beverly. How did she hear that? I'm not even on the phone. She's freaking me out, birds. I don't have time to deal with you two morons. Shit, 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 shit. Oh, this is bad, Virgil. Your mom has hired the nastiest, most vicious telephone operator in Delaware, and she hates me. Oh, this is bad, 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 bad. Shut up a minute and let me think, Harmon. Oh, God, if she's working for your mama at the salvage yard, we're going to have to meet her. In person. Oh, she'll be insulting us to our actual faces instead of to our ears. Yeah, you're right. Crap. Doral probably lied and cheated her way through the interview. Or or maybe Mama just likes her. I, I don't know. Which would even be worse, because if Mama likes her, she's going to be around for a while. Damn. We got to figure out how to deal with this situation. Yeah, you know, Mama always said you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. So, yeah. I'm going to call her back and try something just a little bit different. Oh, jeez. Be careful, Virgil. That woman's vicious. She might just reach right through the phone and strangle you. She's probably got claws, too. Come on, Doral. Big old long claws phone. that she sharpens with her tongue every night, like a female Eddie Cougar in those Nightmare on Main Street movies. 
Thank you for calling Flatter Salvage Stuff. You got the cash, we got the trash. What do you want? Hey, uh, good morning, Doral. Listen, this is Virgil Slatter. Uh, yeah, I know. I've got caller ID on the phone here. So, like, uh, duh. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, hey, uh, we kind of got off on the wrong foot this morning, and I'd like to apologize to you for that previous phone call. Yes, you damn well should. I hope you didn't think I was talking about you when I said you were probably a moron. Back off the phone there, Verge. I hear claws are coming. Shut up, Beverly. And I also heard you call me ugly. No, you didn't. I don't even know what you look like. I mean, I just said that you were probably ugly. Danger, Will Robinson. Beverly, will you just shut the hell up? I'm trying to talk to Fergie here. Look, I can't hold it back any longer. I'm going to confess something that's probably going to surprise you. It's about my feelings for you. Whenever I talk to you, I feel certain, shall we say, urges, urges that I'm finding awfully hard to now we're talking. You feel urges? What kind of urges? The urge to hang up on you. Yep, there it is. Well, shit. Harmon, you just keep your mouth shut this time. Thank you for calling. Doral, don't hang up. I just want to say that just because Mama usually hires morons, that doesn't mean that you're a moron, Doral. You're an extremely smart woman. You get the best of me every time I talk to you, and frankly, I am glad that Mama hired you. You're glad? Well, that just tells me you're dumber than you look. Yeah, that's probably true. Wait, how do you know what I look like? Ignore that. Beside the point. I don't want to know. Yes, I'm glad Mama hired you. Congratulations on the new job, and welcome to the Slatter family. You should see my face right now. It has glad written all over it. Mama couldn't have hired a better office manager than you. Now, why in the hell would you say that? Because if anyone can help Mama whip that stable, a dumbass would-be Chippendale dancer she's got working for her into shape, it's you. You are a strong, capable woman, Doral, and you're not going to let anybody mess with you. Oh, yeah, well, thank you, Virgie. I have to say, I did not expect to hear you say that. I should say that it means a lot coming from you, but it doesn't. Still... I'm kind of flattered you think that. Now, I understand that you've got to be a hard-ass there at work, Doral. But you know, sometimes I have to call there and talk to my mama about family stuff. Do you think maybe you could not hang up on me quite as often when I need to talk to her? I know mama's a little bit lax about checking references. So if you'll do that for me, I promise I won't tell her about all the other jobs I know you've been fired from before she hired you. Wow. I like this job. And I like your mama. It's a deal. Okay. So let me talk to mama. She was supposed to be bringing Vinnie Jean by this morning. Sorry. No can do, Bergie. Come on, Doral. Don't start that shit again. Can't help it, Bergie. You bring out the worst in me. But you can't talk to her because she's warming up the truck to bring Vinnie Jean over to your place. Oh, okay. Good. I was going to tell you after the third hang-up anyway. Oh, and just so you know... Your mama's invited me to Christmas dinner with the family at her house. I love that woman. She did what? Well, shit. There was oh good, and then there was oh shit. What happened? Mama's on her way over with Vinnie Jean. Oh good. Well, that's what I said. What about the oh shit? Nothing you need to worry about for now. Good enough. 
Oh, boy, she's on her way. Uh, hey, Virg, I want to be sensitive to Vinnie Jean's legal and romance problems, you know, as long as we're working together, so I gotta ask. Vinnie Jean sent her boyfriend to the hospital with a frozen pork loin injury, right? Mm-hmm. Now, say what you will, but I've been beat up just for saying hello in almost every bar I've ever walked into, so I know a thing or two about assault. If you ask me, that's what Vinnie Jean did. How come she didn't get charged or do any jail time? You don't know the whole story, Harmon. There was some circumnavigational evidence in Vinnie Jean's favor presented at the hearing. Well, I don't hold it against Vinnie Jean at all, but it kind of seems to me like she got preferential treatment. What makes you say that? Well, Vinnie Jean gets in a fight with her boyfriend that ends with a trip to the emergency room, and her punishment is she has to work with us here at the store for a while. I have one teeny-weeny little strawberry daiquiri, get a little tour up, and have to spend my birthday night in jail. Plus, I get banned from the T&G for six months. See? Not exactly fair and balanced. Not fair and balanced, huh? How about we denotify the differences between the different offenses committed by both sets of parties here? Differ away, Verge. Okay, in Vinnie Jean's case, her and her now ex-boyfriend, Beans Hooter, had a difference of opinion. As in, she figured he was an asshole for forgetting their five-week anniversary. He begged to differ, and she flapped him upside the head with a frozen pork loin. Gotta side with old Bean Shooter on that one. Five weeks is too early for anniversary gifts. Maybe, but you know Vinnie Jean. Not as well as I'd like to. What? Nothing. So, Vinnie Jean and Beans both told the judge that Beans had stopped at the shot in the dark after work. Vinnie Jean's story was that he got faced, and then when he got home, he got mad that she was mad and started chasing her around the kitchen. She grabbed the frozen pork loin, defrosted him on the counter, and fended him off with it. And he lost his footing and fell and banged his head. What was Beans' story? Beans was too wasted to remember that he needed a story. Anyway, Vinnie Jean moved back home with Mama, and the judge gave her 60 days under the supervision of a responsible family member. Me and Mama are about as close to as the Slatter family gets to responsible, so Mama's watching her during the evenings, and I'll be keeping an eye on her here in the store during the day. Okay, so you're saying with Vinnie Jean it was self-defense. I don't know, Verge. Her story had an emergency room in it. Still doesn't really seem fair. It doesn't, huh? Okay, let's compare Vinnie Jean's story to your run-in with the law. We go out to my sister Velma's strip club for your birthday. You lick all the icing off the top of the birthday cake Doral arranged for you. It said happy birthday, Beverly. I didn't want anybody to know my middle name's Beverly. Well, that was a fail, wasn't it? Everybody in Delaware knows your full name now. Don't remind me. It was bad enough having my drunk-ass mugshot show up in all the papers. But the Dover Post ran it under the headline, Idiot of the Week. Downright mean if you ask me. So... You got tore up on strawberry daiquiris. I only had one. Yeah, but you know good and well you gotta steer clear of those things, Harmon. You drink one and some sort of weird chemical reaction happens inside your gut. It gets harmonized and chaos happens. Oh, come on, Verge. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't, huh? You got tore up and released a wild muskrat that attacked Brunhilde the bouncer. She fished the scrat out of her shorts, flung it across the room, and knocked out booty sheets. You literally snatched Chief Chief bald-headed when you mistook his hairpiece for the scrat, and you tried to escape everybody chasing after you by trying to climb into the stripper's dressing room and knocking over a whole bunch of cleaning chemicals which started a fire and nearly burned the place down. It was chaos. Well, maybe. 
I really don't remember any of it. Chief Chief hauled you in on charges of drunken disorderly, creating a public disturbance, toupee theft, and harboring wildlife in your pants. You're lucky he only kept you one night, and Velma only banned you from the club for six months instead of a year. Gotta admit, I was pretty glad he let me sleep off the drunken disorderly charge. You lucked out all the way around, Harmon. Chief Chief dropped the theft charge since he got his toupee back that night. Velma refused to press charges for the public nuisance thing. And it turns out that harboring wildlife in your pants isn't actually a crime. Probably should be. Those little claws were sharp. So, it turned out pretty good, but I still got actual jail time and Vinnie Jean didn't. If you ask me, she only got off because she's so hot. Harmon, the judge was a woman, so Vinnie Jean's looks, or hotness, or whatever never entered into it. Now who's stereotyping, hmm? And do not refer to my little sister as hot. You shouldn't even be looking at Vinnie Jean. You're old enough to be her- Her much older boyfriend. Jesus, Harmon, you're a sexual harassment suit waiting to happen. I'll try to watch myself, but damn, Virgil, Vinnie Jean is... Mm. Shit. I don't have any other words to describe her that won't make you mad. Silence is golden, Harmon. In your case, that's because it's such a scarce commodity. So, change of subject. What's in the box there? Oh, right. I, I want your opinion on some stuff I bought. <laughs> the hell is all this shit? You put in the winning bid on a mystery box up at Spencer's Bazaar? No. Whoa, Harmon, back off. You go skinny dipping in a bottle of aftershave this morning? No, it's some of this new stuff I bought. Th this one. Moonshine Madness Aftershave. Too much? Not if you don't mind watching bystanders drop like flies as you go by. I'm surprised you still have your eyebrows. It did burn a little in some places. In the name of all that is holy, do not tell me which places those might have been. Well, I was afraid if I put on too little, Vinnie Jean wouldn't smell it. I'd say you've overwhelmed that particular problem, Harmon. Look, why don't you just try rinsing off a little of that to tone it down some? I would, but after I freshened up the usual places, I splashed some on my underarms. Probably should have taken my shirt off first. Then I spilled the rest of the bottle on my pants. I'll need a shower and a power washer to cut through this. I'm thinking you might want to call Bob Firkin down at the Lubintoon and see if he'll let you run through the car wash. That's not funny, Virgil. You know I still had nightmares about being rubbed to death by an eight-foot chamois after I took that dare in high school. I have to leave the room every time a sham wow commercial comes on. Sorry. Let's see what else you got here. Deodorant, uh, some sort of blue powder, lotion, eau de toilet bunch of different aftershaves, cologne. Well, I can see why none of the Amish bid on it. Actually, this stuff doesn't look like anything you'd find at the sale. Looks like it's mostly new, exceptin' for that aftershave you're holding and a half-empty bottle of mouthwash. Oh, it's all new. The mouthwash was the first thing I tried this morning. You used half a bottle of mouthwash in one morning? It's pretty tasty. Kind of reminds me of a peppermint if peppermint tasted like warm beer. You're not supposed to drink this shit, Harmon. You just swish it around in your mouth and you spit it out. Yeah, I know. I was going to do that, but my taste buds got a whiff of beer and overrode my spit reflex. Of course. So, where'd you get all this stuff? Ordered it from a place called MintyFreshBalls.com. MintyFreshBalls.com. You know, I knew you getting a smartphone was going to add up to a fool being parted with his money sooner or later. And here we are. No, it's not like that. Some of this stuff's pretty cool. Look at this one. Long driver ball wash. Here, smell it. Jeez, Harmon. Get that out of my face. Give me that. Okay, smells great, but... 
What is that, suede? Maybe more like a new car? You almost got it. It's fine Corinthian leather, like that Ricky Ricardo Montalban guy in the commercials. Very nice. But what in the hell do you need this for? You don't golf. No, Verge. It's special soap for your real balls, not your golf balls. I used it in the shower this morning. Leaves them all fresh and tingly. For your... Ah, oh, jeez. Yuck. Here, take it back. I don't want to touch anything you've been washing your balls with. Jeez, no need to be so touchy, Verge. Last thing I want to do is be touchy with a guy who just made me touch a bottle of stuff he used to wash his balls. So... You bought all these toiletries and shit off the internet, and now you want my opinion. All right, here's my opinion. You're an idiot. Anything else I can do for you? Oh, come on, Verge. I thought maybe you could help me decide which ones smell the best. I'm going to be wearing some every day from here on out. Since when do you wear anything but whatever you ate for breakfast to work? Well, you know, I thought since Vinny Jean is going to be working with you us... You want to smell nice for her. Is that it? Well, yeah. Harmon? Let's get something straight. I know Vinnie Jean is a beautiful girl. She's also headstrong, stubborn, manipulative, and willful. She has always liked to skate on the wild side. Now, I am her big brother, and about the closest thing to a daddy she's ever known, so it's my job to take care of her. Now that she's over 21, that's not so easy. But I'm doing my best to help her stay out of trouble. I expect you to help me with that and not add fuel to the fire by falling all over yourself trying to be her overripe suitor. It might help to keep in mind that she flirts with everybody, even you. It does not mean you're special. All right, okay. Uh, but, Verge, look, I know to you she's just your little sister, but to every other guy in this town, she is so Harmon? <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah, I'm not going to say it. Caught myself. <laughs> Look, I know you want to take care of her and try to keep her from making mistakes, but you can't control everything, Burge. You can't control her. You can't control how guys think about her. And as much as everybody who knows me wishes you could, you can't control me. If you could, I wouldn't be standing here in front of you holding a bottle of Internet ball wash. But I hear you. I'll try to be a grown-up when she's around. That's not something I've been real successful at up to now, but I'll give it a shot. I'll be here to give you a hand if I see you slipping. Or whoop your ass, whichever is most appropriate. Hey, there's my favorite hey, darling, big brother. Hey, darling, how you doing how this morning? Are you? Shut that door, it's cold out I need there. a hug. Uncle Harmon, hey! Ooh, you look better every time I see you, you handsome guy. Oh, Vinny Jean, how many times do I gotta tell you not to call me Uncle? I'm not really your uncle. I'm just a really, really close friend. Of her older brothers. Oh, I'll try. I've always kind of thought of you more as an uncle than a friend. Why, you're as old as Virgil, aren't you? No. Virgil's a lot older than I am. Harmon, I am not a lot older. Oh, who cares? I love older men. They're so much more mature than guys my age, you know? Hey, you didn't give me a hug and a kiss. Come on. You know you wanna. Always do, Vinnie Jean. <clears throat> but, um, I think I better hold off on that. I'm, uh, I'm uh, social distancing. Uh, pretty hard these days, you know, uh, six feet apart. Oh, Harmon, that's so sweet. I love that you're looking out for me. Or maybe three feet. 
or less. You know, if you know the person and everybody's vaccinated like we are. Six feet is good, Harmon. Maybe eight. Uh, right. Vinny Jean, I expected you to be here half an hour ago. What happened? Oh, it's Mama's fault. I was all ready to go, but she made me go back and change clothes. She said I needed to look more professional. Mama runs a salvage yard, and she sent you here to work in a grocery store and a diner with hardware and a gun shop in the back. The bar ain't that high. What the hell were you wearing? Oh, it was so cute. It's this smoke gray sheer top with a black sparkly bralette underneath and black silk leggings with a tuxedo stripe down the side. I pair it with a red cardigan, black nylons, and stiletto heels. That sounds stunning. I'm having a stroke just thinking about it. Hands on the counter where I can see them, Harmon. Yes, I'm so sorry you didn't get to see it. Maybe some other time? The hell is a bralette? Oh, it's a bra that you pretend is an underwear so you can wear it like regular clothes out where everybody can see it. They're very high. <laughs> uh, fashionable right now. How do you know that? Oh, I follow the lingerie scene pretty closely. Why? Oh, never mind. Listen, I need to run to the John. Vinnie Jean, you can put your coat and purse back in the office and then come on back up to the cash register and I'll go over what I want you to do today. Oh, I think I'll keep my coat on a little while longer. It's kind of chilly in here. That's fine. I'll be back in a few. Vinny Jean, I gotta say, you look absolutely amazing today. And I'm sorry you didn't wear that other outfit. Real sorry. Real, real sorry. I get it, Harmon. Oh, you're not gonna wear that coat all day, are you? Maybe. Well, I could get Virgil to turn up the heat. Uh, of course, you're already ha 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 ha. Damn it, Virgil's blocking my ha ha. He's not even here. Hey, you want to smell my new aftershave? I smelled it as soon as I walked in the door. Too strong? I thought you guys wiped the place down with air freshener. Oh. So, you you want to work with me in the kitchen for the next couple months while you're on probation? I can teach you everything I know about bologna. Not really. Oh, thank God. I can't take another minute of this. Hey, I'm coming. We've got the whole day, sweetheart. Can you believe it? You won't tell Mama, will you, Harmon? Love you, bye. Oh, shit. Hi, I'm Chris Polo, the creator of Mucky Landing, a sort of a podcast, and I want to thank you for listening to the first episode of our second season, Vinnie Jean is Not My Lover. If you want a special treat, please listen all the way to the end to hear Virgil's award-winning version of Twas the Night Before Christmas, which will play right after the credits. The following amazing actors were heard in this episode. Mike Polo as Virgil Slatter, Bruce Leister as Harmon Truesdale, Patty Gatto as Doral Bernstein, and Shelby Bradford as Vinnie Jean Slatter. Thank you all for bringing these characters to life. Sound design for Mikey Landing is by the aforementioned and multi-talented Mike Polo, and our theme song and incidental music is written and performed by the disturbingly impraggable Jim Rizak, who also happens to be a real live native Delawarean. For more of Jim's music, check out jimrezakmusic.com. That's Rezac like it sounds, but with a C at the end, not a K. Before we wrap things up, we'd like to give a shout out to our Twitter friend, Ian Bitdead, for relentlessly promoting us on Twitter. It's a huge help, Ian. Many thanks. If you would like to spread the word about Monkey Landing, please give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or wherever you listen to us. Mention at Monkey Landing on Twitter or Facebook. 
or visit muckylanding.com support to see all the ways you can help us continue producing Mucky Landing. And remember, we spell mucky with an E before the Y. We'd love to thank you at the end of our next episode. And now we'd like to send you off in Mucky Landing style with Virgil's Twas the Night Before Christmas. We wish you all a very mucky Christmas and to all a good night. Twas the night before Christmas at the market in town and Virgil was tired as he turned the lights down. He called to his dog, Aloysius came running, and sat by his master, his tail just a-thumping. Harmon had hung up the pots and the pans and wiped down the counters and washed both his hands. They bundled up warm and went out the front door and locked it and stood there in front of the store. Then Virgil said, Harmon, so what do you think? The night is still young. I could do with a drink. You buyin', said Harmon, I'd go, but I'm broke. I spent my last dime on this pack full of smokes. Virgil said, gotcha covered. The pooch gave a bark, and the three wandered off to the shot in the dark. They toasted and drank till their memories were blotted, then ordered more shots till they all were well potted. They closed the place down, then staggered outside and started for home with the moon as their guide. When deep from the marsh there arose such a clatter, they staggered on down to see what was the matter. With drink-addled eyes and a gait none too steady, they stood by the water that rippled and eddied. From its depths rose a light, then a shower of glitter, and atop it a sleigh drawn by eight tiny critters. They're muskrats, cried Virgil, and Harmon said, Hell, you know who that is? Why, it's Bubba Noel. With a chaw in his lip and a bud in his hand, Bubba whistled and farted and gave his command. Now Delbert, now Harley, now Cletus and Cooter, on John Boy, on Joe Bob, on Skeeter and Scooter. O'er the tops of the trees to the market they flew, while the trio below puffed behind in pursuit. They arrived at the corner of St. Jones and Broad to watch mouths agape as the scrats pranced and pawed. On the roof, Bubba Noel hopped out, grabbed two sacks, took a snort from his flask, then picked up his axe, blew a hole through the roof just as quick as you please, and floated on down to the floor with great ease. He stayed just a minute, his hands in his pockets, then bending his knees, he flew up like a rocket. He jumped in the sleigh, cracked his whip at his steeds, and they bounded away in a tiny stampede. Holy shit, you see that, Virgil said in a huff. That guy just broke in and he's stealing our stuff. They raced across the street and threw open the door and instantly saw the two sacks on the floor. In each sack was a bottle of vintage Jim Beam with a note said tomorrow they'll say it's a dream. And they heard Bubba yell as he drove out of sight, Bottoms up, Merry Christmas. It's been a good night. And this is Harmon. Merry Christmas, bitches. Harmon. Oh, sorry. Merry Christmas, mother. Well, you know what? That's no good. No. Oh, I got it. I got it. This is Harmon. Merry Christmas, everybody's. And I'm Virgil. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs>